Hey folks, how you doing? My name is Maccabee Griffin. Thank you for joining us on this show, Beyond the Pen, where we take the well-known adage, read between the lines to a whole new level and beyond. Each week we sit down with a new author to not only have a discussion about themselves and, and their book, but also learn about the story behind the story. Today, our guest is an author, martial artist, dancer, and physical therapist. Ooh, so many things, so many things. Uh, she wrote the award-winning and best-selling book, Forever Fit and Flexible, Feeling Fabulous at 50 and Beyond. But it's her second book, The Reluctant Ninja, How a Middle-Aged Princess Became a Warrior Queen, that we're excited to share with you today. This book chronicles not only the, her journey into the male-dominated testosterone-infested world of ancient and obscure Japanese martial arts called Nimpo Taijutsu. Never heard it myself, but we're going to learn a whole lot about it. Uh, but also, we're going to talk about, and this is where it gets sensitive just a little bit, just as a disclaimer. Um, this is where we talk about her life-altering healing effects. It brought her after a, tra a traumatic experience that sent her spiraling down the vortex of hell known as PTSD. She unwillingly began her training. And when I mean unwillingly, I mean unwillingly. Uh, to, that um, at the tender young age of 47, and obviously she looks a lot younger than that. So believe me, when you see her, you'll understand why I say that. And only the only reason why she did it was because it took her teacher three years to convince her to take some classes with him. And she finally agreed to take a few classes, even though she knew she would hate it. Now, 10 years later, uh, more than that, I believe right now, uh, she became her teacher's first black belt, female black belt. Now, Cheryl I Love be believes that there is an invisible black belt and the spirit of the warrior in each of us just waiting to be discovered. So, ladies and gentlemen, I will not hold it out any further. I give you the warrior queen herself, Miss Cheryl Ilove. Hello, Miss Cheryl. <laughs> How are you? Oh, hey, Maccabee. I'm doing great, and I'm so honored to be with you today. And thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. I was like, <laughs> who is this person? I can't wait to meet her. <laughs> well, you know what? If you if you look in the screen, that's her right there, and she is and she sent me a copy of the at least the first couple of um, of, uh, of pages, and I mean it was crazy how it went. Um, just so the people on Wisdom uh, are on, uh, you guys just want to see the live version because I'm pretty sure you guys aren't hearing her at this point, and I'll figure that out later on. But I wanted to make sure at least that we could figure how we could do this. Um, and so here's the thing. When I was reading the prologue of your book, I could picture everything that you described to us as if we were there watching you. And I mean, it was like a movie. It was like a scene from a movie. I, I really enjoyed the statement about the inmates running the asylum <laughs> and how your sensei yeah. was a supervisor from a distance until he came back to, uh, quote, smack you around a bit figuratively and literally. I, I mean, it was it was kind of fun to look at that. But I also thought the description of the katana delivering the final blow mm -hmm. as your symbolism of leaving Nimpo behind in the traditional way. Now, obviously, for those who don't know what Nimpo Taijutsu is, I will let her explain on this because she had to explain it to me because I'd never heard of it either. But besides that, when when you're asking telling people about that, can you tell us what was going through your mind while you were standing there and then oh. reliving those memories as you were writing it? Oh, boy. Well, let's start with the first one. Nimpo Taijutsu is an ancient Japanese martial art 
based on the art of the ninja and the samurai. And we actually are studying five different martial arts in the curriculum of Nimpo Taijutsu because they are five different Japanese families. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, in our federation, it's a small federation. The dojo is a small community, so it's not mm -hmm. one of these huge schools. And the training is, I, I, I've, I, I want to say that I really lucked out because I got into a fantastic dojo, but you and mm -hmm. I all both know that, you know, God works in mysterious ways and set everything up. So I would be in the perfect situation. So mm -hmm. it is a very small community, very intimate. Um, we do have a federation of several different dojos, uh, mostly in the Western part of the United States. So there's about four or five different dojos. Um, mm -hmm. that are run by you know different sensei. And then we have Concho, who is the my sensei's sensei that you met in the book. And <laughs> so he's he's kind of over all of us. And oh, we'll get to that later. I'll bet we'll we definitely will. get to that later because that, I mean, I was having flashbacks of my own for that one. Uh <laughs> well, then I know I wrote it well enough that you could really put yourself in that oh position God. and that you could identify with what I was going through mm -hmm. in the different parts of this story. But uh, you asked what I was going through as I was writing the story. Mm -hmm. Whoa. I mm -hmm. mean, I was on the end of an emotional bungee cord which is what I was on as I was going through it, the experience of becoming this warrior queen. And, you know, I was sitting downstairs in my girl cave. This is my girl cave, my basement. <laughs> and this is where, you know, I have a lot of fun and uh, do a lot of my writing and my work. And I'm down here by myself laughing so hard as I'm writing some of the stories, especially the story about my first class. And I think I sent that to you and uh -huh. I'm laughing so hard. Tears are, you know, just rolling down my face and I'm just having a good time. And I was, you know, then I finished for the day and I was in such a good mood. And then next right. day I went back downstairs and picked back up and it was like, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this really happened. How dare this person do this to me? And so then I would get uh -huh. really angry. And then, you know, it was just going through this incredible emotional roller coaster is what it was, uh -huh. you know, but of course, at the same time, it was very healing, another step in the healing process. Yeah. And what I really want to do with the book is to help encourage people, women and men, that they can uh -huh. recover from anything. They can find that inner strength that warrior spirit that I know is in each and every one of us. I mean, you, you <laughs> cannot say that any better because, you know, as someone, and I'll be, like I was telling her before, I'll be very open with my my past when it came to that. I was a child of abuse uh, when I was younger. Uh, my dad didn't even know that his ex-wife at the time when they adapted me uh, had not only basically thrown me into a pool at the age of two without any floaties or anything like that, that I about drowned. Um, but she also uh, was one that put cigarette, but cigarette buds out on my arm. And I have the scar right here mm. in this area. Um, so it was really, it, it brought some, it did bring a couple of uh, memories back to me that I can remember because of the fact it was prior to me being five. Um, but you know, it was still something that I could connect with and, mm -hmm. you know, with the, the, because of the people that I have found in my life, um, there's a lot of them that have went through abuse mm -hmm. and I know for a fact that these were the things that they definitely, um, would really connect with because, mm -hmm there's a lot here and, and we'll get to it a little bit further down the road mm -hmm. on the show. But one of the things that was um, after reading your pilgrimage into <laughs> Nimpo, um, I started to have flashbacks, like I was saying, of basic training and having <laughs> drill sergeants yelling at us on, for anything under the sun. I mean, I remember, you know, when, when I first got there, you know, the whole you see in the movies where they're always on the on the bus and the drill sergeant comes in and starts yelling, get off my bus, go, 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 kind of thing. Well, I wasn't there for that because 
I was one of the lucky ones to actually get into a Humvee before the bus that had all the ba- all the duffel bags in the back of it. So I believe there was like six or seven of us. And we had to, once we got out, they lined us up and said, okay, you have uh, 60 seconds to get all these duffel bags lined up, ready to go. And it was insane. I mean, no, I'm sorry. It was, it was, uh, it was two minutes, two minutes. I'm sorry. But even still, there was over, you know, 200 of these dang things. And there's like seven of us. So we're running, grabbing them, putting them down, line up. And they had to be like flush kind of thing on the lines that we, that they told us to put them on. And then after we got out of that, we got done with it. We had to run up onto this uh, platform uh, and we had to keep our hands up above our heads like this <laughs> the whole time until everybody got there and off the bus. We were like that for about 30 minutes oh. prior to everybody else getting there. And then when everybody else got there, we had to keep them up for another 15 minutes. So all together for almost 45 minutes, I'm like this. And the whole time I'm thinking, what the hell did I think I was doing? What, what, <laughs> what in God's green earth was I thinking? And the reason why I wanted to tell the story is because, you know, you often ask, I'm pretty sure you, because you said that you often ask yourself, what the heck am I doing? Especially in those, during those moments when you were getting yelled at constantly by sensei, you know, and then taking the, and then taking bets on, you know, people are taking bets on whether or not you would quit and when you were going to quit. And then, of course, at the ripe age, young age that you were going through this whole thing, you were going through hot flashes at the same time in a dojo that was freaking hot as can be because the air conditioning was broken. Mm -hmm. I mean, what kept you going? What is it that made you just (laughs) like go, you know what? Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. I'm going to do this. Well, I really give credit to my incomparable stubbornness. Uh, you know, it is really. <laughs> you know, I think that's the same thing that got me through a lot too. Exactly, but the other one thing before I go on, I want to ask you: How did you be so lucky that you were the one that was picked for going in the Humvee? Did you draw straws, or you just got a short straw? Or I was just... voluntold. Oh, good for you! This was random. Like, okay, you, 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 and you in the Humvee. All right. So at least. You were voluntold. I actually volunteered myself and I I signed up for it, which, you know, was the craziest (laughs) thing I ever did. But to be perfectly honest, I was having an incredible test of faith. I had already been Mm -hmm. training at the dojo for, I think, 12 years at that point. And like you said, you know, everybody would have bets. How how soon is she going to quit? How soon is she Mm going to quit? And uh, of course I didn't. And then all of a sudden I started climbing up the ranks and they're like, wow, she's kind of finally taking this a little bit seriously. Mm-hmm. And then I kept getting higher and higher and higher. But every now and again, I would have a test of faith. Something would happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd get my my knees cut out from underneath me and I'd have to step back and say, do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. And it happened probably two or three times that I almost quit. I came very, very close. This was the final one. This was a big one. Oh. And I thought, you know, I am just, and I was a little bit, annoyed to put it gently with my teacher. <laughs> gently? Gently? Wanted to kill him. Oh. Um, and I was really annoyed with him. And I thought, okay, I am going to do something unprecedented. I am going to go to LA by myself without oh. the buffer of having my teacher or any of my other, you know, students or classmates with me, I'm going to throw myself at the feet of the master and say, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. And I didn't tell him the rest of the sentence, but I knew if I survived, then I knew I was going to continue training and continue my journey. If he broke me, if he Mm -hmm. devastated me, then I would say, okay, 
I'm done. So that's basically what I was doing. And I don't know what kept me going, especially that first night, because I was already tired. You know, I'd mm -hmm. flown from Denver, you know, unpacked and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I had to walk to the grocery store and get all my stuff and bring it back in the horrible heat and everything. And then walking to the dojo, carrying all my stuff. And it was like the air conditioning wasn't working. Are you kidding me? Oh, I would have killed. End of funny. July in Southern California. Mm. And there are geese are so heavy. They're like wearing yes. a carpet. You, well, you know what they're like. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, I, I, I took martial arts when I was younger, and those things are thick. And heavy. Thick and heavy. Yeah. Especially mm -hmm. the higher you go, the heavier they get sometimes. Yes. I don't know how that works, but for some reason it does. I don't know it, why. It, and the more expensive they get. Oh, very expensive. Very <laughs> mm -hmm. expensive. That's why yeah. I quit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got too expensive. No, I, I mean, you know, well, here, here's the other. Go ahead. No, well, you know, it, it's a combination of the physical discomfort, and of course, you know, psychologically, what was going on in my brain. The only thing I can remember was just do it, just do it. Mm -hmm. And even though physically, I mean, I was getting torn up. Even I said the first twenty minutes. I oh, thought yeah. that, yeah, my muscles were going to like just rip off the bone of my, my left thigh. And, mm -hmm. but I just kept going. So physically I was probably in pretty good shape. I mean, let's, oh, let's yeah. face well, that. Well, let's, let, let's look at your past with this. I mean, you were <laughs> in ballet for how many years since you were like little? No, I, I start, no, I started training when I was, um, or I started ballet when I was 19 or 20. So I started okay. that late in life too, because that's yeah. pretty late for someone. But yes, I had at absolutely. that point. When I started um, my NIMPO journey, mm -hmm. uh, I had been doing ballet for 27 years. I still do ballet, but only like once or twice a week. And I do it in my basement. I haven't gone back to, you know, in-person <laughs> class yet since COVID. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, I'm doing other things in my little basement ballet studio is fine. And I just do an online class and I'm happy. Well, here's the other thing I want people to understand about, about you, because you even specifically say this is that you are not even near the sense of like a tomboy, a sports girl, anything like that. You are like the, the uh, what's the word I want to say? The definition of princess. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything fluffy, everything just like girly girl as much as possible. Absolutely. And, and, and yet you are thrown into this, like this whole journey and the way that you, I still love it at one point, and I, I really, I don't have it in my notes, but I really want to ask you about this. When you were going through that day of training with Sensei, and you know, you were trying to, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, because your, was it your left thigh or your right thigh? I can't it was remember. my left thigh. I can still your, remember that. Your left thigh was like really hurting and you, and you leaned into your partner, which by the way, she says was really easy on the eyes at that point. Um, so he, you asked him like, Hey, can we switch to another leg? Cause my leg's killing me. And he said, yes. But right when he turned, all of a sudden you get like yelled at from sensei saying, no, you don't even have the other one right first. Get back to that position. <laughs> And, but here's the one. Here's the question I really wanted to ask you. Okay. The whole time you're like wiping the sweat off of your <laughs> brow and everything. And yeah. I didn't know where I'm going with this. Uh -huh. You were asking. You were saying like the, the new new mascara that you were oh, God, that you were yeah. working with. It's like you were thinking this whole time. Like no one else in this room besides me is wondering is really worrying about my makeup or anything mm -hmm. of that nature. And it, you said something about um, your mascara. It was like that new version of the mascara that didn't run, uh, mm -hmm. didn't smear, anything like that. And you said, if if this, if this I go through this day, if I get through this day and I don't have to worry about any of that, I am going to like be a voice for these people. I mean, like stock in this people. So did you actually do that? Did, <laughs> did you get through the day and did you buy stock with them? I did not buy stock with them, but the mascara did laugh or laugh did last by the time I got back to, and I was, yeah, by the time I got back to my hotel room, um, I really didn't check because I was so exhausted and I was just, well, yeah. all I wanted was a, a shower and something to eat. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't even check my mascara until 
I woke up at three o'clock in the morning because I really never did make it to the shower. That's another story that's in the book. <laughs> but I have to tell you, Sensei did not yell at me when I said oh, really? to you know to to Angel. I says, okay, uh, you, we need to switch sides because my my leg is killing me. And he did not yell. He screamed. It was <laughs> yeah, one of yeah. those. There was a difference. <laughs> You know, those ear piercing, uh, screeching and, okay, all right. So back to the same side and, and worked mm -hmm. it probably at least another 10 or 15 minutes. I don't remember, but it was a really long time. And that was one movement out of 27? Yes, that was one movement pattern, one technique out of 27. Oh, man, I would have been done so easily. All right, going out of that, because we've already talked about Mark. And, and Mark, if you're watching or listening to this later, dude, I, I don't even know how to explain Mark anymore. I mean, <laughs> he has to be the most um, stubborn person that I've ever read about. And I love him to death because of the fact he kept on you. So for those who don't know who Mark is, Mark is her uh, acupuncturist and her sensei. And during the time, like I said in the introduction, it took him three years just to get her to take a class. Now, I don't know if I could have stuck with the same acupuncturer if he kept going on and on and on about something I didn't care about. I mean, at mm -hmm. one point you even said you thought of going to someone else for treatments. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's, here's what my, because I want you to talk about like, if you can, a little bit of your relationship with Mark in, in this, but what made you trust Mark so much, especially when, uh, when you guys weren't th that close, but as, but mostly, uh, I mean, with the, um, my brain's not working. Um, oh, with, you know, what happened to you? What, what made you trust him so much to tell him finally, and especially after those who are so close to you wouldn't believe mm -hmm. Well, from the very first time I met Mark, well, I thought he was crazy at first, you know. Well, and, and, yeah. You know I mean, yeah. Yeah. Come on. And now. I, yeah, I could tell the story that, you know, the very first time I met this guy and uh, it was my first session with him and he's putting needles in my legs and he got this very thoughtful and faraway look on his face. And he said, you know, with your legs and my coaching, I could teach you how to kill with these things. And I'm laying there, you know, literally pinned to the table. Yep. And I'm going, who thinks this way, let alone says it out loud? Mm -hmm. I mean, really? And I, rem I remember your comment right after that part. You're just like, it, it, he had you pinned down, literally pinned. And if you could have, you would have ran out of there with these needles all over your legs and everywhere. Like That was, the, that was one of the only reasons why you stayed. Mm -hmm. he he had me yeah. pinned literally he had me pinned to the table mm -hmm. so he had a captive audience i wasn't going anywhere um you know but and i thought do i really want to continue seeing this guy but he was mm -hmm. really good at what he did yeah. he not only did acupuncture he did shiatsu and you know chinese medicine chinese herbs and stuff and he was just really good and for some reason i really felt comfortable with him mm -hmm. and of course i wasn't feeling comfortable with anybody at that point and yeah. especially i mean i had just met him and mm -hmm. one of my clients i was working in a physical therapy uh clinic for two chiropractors and one of my clients said you got to try this guy he's really good for acupuncture or for shiatsu she didn't even get the needles um but anyhow that's the first time i met him and yeah so the rest is history and i did keep going back and i stopped after a few months because that's oh. when you know the ptsd was really kind of like spiraling out of control yeah. and i thought you know nothing is worth it and everything was such effort that i i just stopped doing you know everything pretty much and then it wasn't until you know um hmm, probably a year later 
that things just came spewing out as yeah. everybody knows it does. Cause I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this have the same type of experience mm -hmm. and it just came spewing out. And it was actually one of the women in ballet class was talking about acupuncture and she said, you know, yeah, and it works for so many things and even, you know, emotional distress and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, okay, that's something I can do. I mm -hmm. can go to him. Yeah. And I knew, I don't know why I knew, but intuitively I knew that this was somebody that I could talk to. And, yeah. you know, when he heard the story, I mean, I don't know. If, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I will, I will attest to her reading on uh, because like she, she sent me a few of the chapters to the book and I literally read them. I, I was in, I was intoxicated with, with the, the book. I'm not kidding you. Oh, thank I mean, you so much. Just the way that she wrote it, I mean, it was insane. Um, I wanted, there was multiple times where I just wanted to just jump in the book and just find these people and smack them around, as, especially, especially the doctor. I, oh, man. Yeah. Please tell me something happened to him. Uh, nothing did. Well, okay. This is what, this is what did happen. So, okay. you know, for, for the listeners, um, just to clarify, I walked into a doctor's office, someone I didn't know. Oh, before we, before we say it, uh, I want, this is where the, the sensitivity comes into play because, and, and I understand that there's probably going to be someone who, who listens to this. And I want to make sure that if you were going through this or have been through this, that you're not alone. Okay. This is the very sensitive part and I will let her continue on. Sorry, but go ahead. No, thank you for that. You know, that clarification, um, because no, you're not alone. And that's one of the reasons why I finally, finally decided to, it, it took me 19 years before I could even say it in front of, you know, people. And mm. the first time I did, it was in a woman's group and they had me speak about, you know, the invisible black belt. Um, so it was a room of like 30 women. And that was the first time that I said it out loud. But the reason why I decided to was because there are a lot of women and men out there who are suffering and somebody's got to say, hey, pull back the curtain. This isn't right. So yeah. basically, I walked into a doctor's office, a healthy, vibrant 44 year old woman. And when I walked out, I was a statistic. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, when I was trying to, you know, report it, get help, you know, for myself and to make sure that this didn't happen to anybody else. And I was smart enough to know that this wasn't personal. Um, this is just his M.O. Mm -hmm. And the, the and I knew that, of course, I wasn't the first woman he did this to. And I knew I would not be the last. But by God, I was going to do my best to make sure that it was. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the way everybody treated me when I did try and report it and try and get help and try and, you know, please, I'm begging for help was yeah. just horrible, horrible. Yeah. So basically, you know, um, once it just all did fall apart and um, I did contact an, a, a former client of mine who had been a psychiatrist or was a psychiatrist. And I told her the story. And so it was almost, it was probably 14 months or 15 months after the incident. It's the first time I was ever able to tell anybody the entire story. Man, The first I, I, time somebody yeah. listened to me. So basically what I did, um, and she told me to do it. She says, you need to write um, a letter to the AMA and report him. And I just said, do you think it's going to make any difference? And she hesitated long enough. So I had my answer. And she said, it will at least appeal to your sense of justice that you've done mm -hmm. something. And I said, okay. So I wasn't an author back then, but I was still a pretty good writer. And, you know, I very meticulously, mm -hmm. you know, worked on this letter, sent it to the um, AMA or the Medical Examiner's Board is what it was, the Medical Examiner's Board in Colorado, the state of Colorado. And I knew it was going to take about six months for them to review it and, you know, get back with me. And I figured, I know it's, nothing is going to come of this, but at least it's in their records. Mm -hmm. So. So the next yeah. time a woman complains, okay, so we're getting a paper trail. So six yeah. months later, I did get a letter from the medical examiner's board. And I'm like, mm, do I really even want to open this or not? Mm -hmm. So I did. And my husband was in the room with me as I was reading. And I'm reading this letter. And it was like, I, I think I said some um, dirty words that I won't say here. And he's reading over my shoulder. And basically, 
what they decided is they were sending him a letter of reprimand for unprofessional oh. behavior because he overbilled. It was a billing error. Oh, God, I shouldn't have said that when we were drinking. You're probably going to aspirate. Are you kidding me? No. Wait. Oh, my God. I, oh. Here's the good part, though. Okay. It gets really good. Okay, and here, here's where, like, I wasn't quite the ninja yet. I don't even think, I wasn't even training yet. But this is where the warrior spirit comes out. And mm. I'm looking at it, and it's like, son of a gun. I, you know, just gotten, you know, again. And then all of a sudden, I looked at my husband and I started to smile. And I said, <laughs> oh, my God. I just got an early Christmas present. It was, I think it was August. I remember it was August. And he's looking at me like, oh God, she's losing it. She's going yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I said, this is fraud. Oh, this is even worse. This, this is, is something like, this is like Al Capone style version of yeah. getting him. Oh my gosh. Please tell me they got him. Please tell me they got him. I have no idea what happened. I mean, you know, I'm sure, oh. you know, but I know that I sent his office into one heck of a mess because what I did was I called his office mm -hmm. and I says, you know, I'm looking for a new physician and so is my mom and, you know, she's on Medicare and blah, blah, blah. So just could you give me a list of insurance companies that, you know, you do, you know, accept so, you know, I can look at some of that because I'm looking for new insurance and everything as well. So they gave me a list of every insurance company he was a provider for and as well as Medicare and Medicaid. So it's like, okay, so I so thank you very much, you know, and hung up. So oh, I no. compiled some letters and I sent letters to every single insurance company, including Medicare and Medicaid, <laughs> oh, my um, God. sent every single one, you know, with a cover letter and a copy of the letter that I got from the medical examiner's board. And then I called the insurer, or not called, I sent one to the insurance commissioner and I think the attorney general's office. Oh, yeah. Something happened bad to him. It I don't to. know. It and had to because of I all that know. you did. Oh, bless you, child. Bless you. I'm so happy that you got that. Thank you. Oh, my Thank gosh. You. And I, after I. I put the last letter in, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. It's time oh, yeah. to just move on. Um, yeah. And I, I did have one or two insurance companies call me. And one guy said, there's a lot more to the story. And I said, yes. He says, will you tell me? And I said, let me think about it. And I, I never did, but you know, <sighs> that's okay. Well, yeah, I, okay. I can understand that time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. See now this, this lead, <sighs> that led into my, my next my next uh, question was about, can you tell everybody about the rabbit hole that you were going through? But I, I think you pretty much covered it on that. But I do want to ask you to tell them about, you know, that breaking point when you were at the, uh, at the ballet, uh, oh. you were at ballet class. I mean, that was, I'm sorry. That was the most brilliant <laughs> way to just get at people about when they when they start talking about you and, oh, yeah. and, and then please tell me <laughs> please tell them excuse me tell them because i already know the story but <laughs> tell them what did it feel like to finally have people believe you after dumping these toxic people that were around you at the same time well uh, felt pretty darn good. It felt. <laughs> I figured that was going to be answered, but I thought, you know, oh, yeah, let her say, 50, let her say. 50, Fifty pound weight off my head, and and that's I think oh, when I've really started to feel like a you know a powerful person. But you know, ballet obviously huge part of my life, and my very mm -hmm. best and dearest friend in all the world. You know, we actually took ballet classes together. That's how we met um, many many years ago. We were in our early twenties, adults taking ballet for the first time. And, um, you know, I, I don't know why we got along so well. She was very highly intelligent, very well educated, very cerebral, shy, you know, and, and, and there, then there's me, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, I'm smart enough to get, get by, but I'm very outgoing. And, you know, for some reason we got along really well. So we were best and dearest friends for a very long time. 
until all of this happened. And of course, you know, when I tried to get help from her, it was kind of like the patent slapping, you know, just slap me in the face. It's like, that can't happen. You have responsibilities to me and you complain too much and you need to take care of me, listen to my problems. And it's like, oh, okay. So I see where this is going. So right there, I knew I had to start, I had to break off that relationship and that friendship. And, you know, I had lost an awful lot of weight at the time, which at, at one because I lost my appetite, but it, you know, one level is a big hit in ballet class. But then on the second hand, it's like there were all these recovering anorexics in ballet class running after me, following me around in the dance studio, in the dressing room, even in the parking lot, trying to counsel me about my eating disorder. And I'm like, you don't understand. I had this horrible experience. This is what happened. And of course, they didn't believe me. Uh-huh. And so, you know, now I'm even going to ballet class was not a pleasant experience, but it really just kind of, you know, the last draw was when my friend said to me, oh, yes, they were even talking about you in ballet class yesterday that you have no breast tissue anymore. And I'm like, "Okay, so my breasts are now a topic of conversation in the ballet community. This is great. And, you know, she's going on and on. And I said, did you mention the fact that I've always been built like this and I've never had any breast tissue to begin with? And so I thought, okay, the next day I go into ballet class and everybody's around and they're stretching and, you know, getting ready, warming up. And I said, hey. So were you. So were you. So was I. (laughs) I was warming up in a different way. And I said, Hey, I made this announcement and I said, I understand that my breasts have been the topic of conversation lately. And I just wanted you to know that I've always been built like this. I've never had any breast tissue to speak of. Um, But my derriere is a whole nother story. So if you want to ask me any questions either about my breast tissue or my derriere, I would be happy to address that. Just let me know. And, you know, the room was full of people. So even by making that proclamation, I could tell who it was that was talking about me because they were really embarrassed and looking mm-hmm. at the floor and just, you know, <laughs> you know, just really uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I said, just let me know. And then there were a couple of men there, too. So the rest of the women just looked confused. Some of them looked uncomfortable and the men just applauded. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But no one came up and talked to you about it after not, that. I mean, not even the men. Mm-mm, not even the men. Not even the straight men. We should say yeah, none of them. <laughs> not even the straight men, man. But there was a reason why I wanted, wanted you to tell that story. One, because it was funny. Um, because you know, come on now. When you've had enough, is enough. I mean, that was the breaking point, and I think that was where, to me personally, when I was reading, that, I was like. That's it. She's she's our. That's where the warrior warrior queen came out right there. She was done dealing with all this crap by herself. She was done with everybody else around her doing this. And it wasn't very long after this situation. You were like telling your friend, you know, we're done. Yeah. Because she was like dragging you into all these these um, the these events with her husband your husband and her husband and all this other stuff Mm -hmm. and at one point you were trying to tell her no but she just wouldn't take no for an answer like all right we're done we're We're done done. Mm -hmm. and i was i was i i'm I'm telling you the truth right now i was applauding right when that point hit i was like i was applauding i was like yes finally she's got it that's Mm -hmm. where that queen was at that's where the queen was at This is the most amazing person. So for the listeners here too, you know, there are toxic people, as you know, in all of our relationships. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you just have got to cut the cord and it's hard to do. But let me tell you something. When I did that, not only did I get that toxicity out of my life, Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden, all of these wonderful new people started showing up in my life. And I realized how much she had been limiting you know, my, my relationships with other people, Uh it was so controlling and I didn't even realize it. So yeah, you cut out that one, you know, it's like a trimming a tree, that one dying limb, you just cut that off and then the tree starts to really grow. Oh yeah. And you know, I was, I was so proud of you at that time. I mean, I was with you the whole time anyways. um, Thank you. From the, from the point of, uh, from the 
point of the beginning where you were telling us the scene of saying goodbye to to Nimpo mm -hmm. um to to the point of where you know people you were telling your story you finally this had happened you finally were telling people your husband your best friend your colleagues anybody that you could get help from and they all just said no no we're, yeah. i don't need to know this or you you're just over overwhelming you know, or you're you're not telling the complete truth or yeah. anything like that and i i was just like right when i heard what your husband when i read what your husband said to you oh i wanted to kill him myself <laughs> i was beyond mark i was way beyond yeah. mark on this one i was like are you kidding me yeah well he's, i would you be know, finding the person too yeah. i would be yeah. finding that person so quickly that you might as well call the cops on me now because yeah. i'm gonna hurt him yeah. And I'll be happy to pay whatever fine it is. And, you know, maybe that's why, you know, I uh, I felt so comfortable with Mark yeah. was because when he heard that, his reaction and it was like, mm -hmm. you know, he says, you it's no secret. You're one of my favorite people. And the fact mm -hmm. that somebody did this to you, I want to find him and I want to hurt him. Oh, and yeah. I just kind of looked up at him and he goes, and I want to hurt him bad enough that he never can get back up and i oh, thought oh yes oh that's a little intense but you know what he did something better mm. he taught me mm -hmm. how to do it for myself oh yes and I, I love how you you told him earlier when you were writing that that scene about how his eyes had like switched like uh -huh. he had like hazel eyes and then all of a sudden they just went like black or something They're like black. that i was i was like oh yeah that would have been me that yeah. would have been straight up me yeah, I would I would have been like my hillbilly mom said, "You touch him again, and I'm gonna kill you." And I'm I gonna love hide your body where I know she's I love just your hillbilly five, mom. Uh, she is like five foot nothing, like a hundred, maybe a hundred five pounds, soaking wet, That's and so she funny. is like a straight dynamite. I am uh, dead serious. This woman, I I'm almost six foot tall. And I am scared to living hell <laughs> when she says something. When she says my whole name, even I'm 41 years old. Okay, I'm 41 years old. She says my whole name. I'm like, yes, ma'am. What the hell did I do? <laughs> is is there sorry. witnesses around? Yeah, I'm like begging for my life already. That's I'm like, wait, I'm just looking around to make sure there's witnesses to this, just so I know that there was something there <laughs> that would oh. like protect me. Oh, that's so and, funny. But that's why I, that's why I love Mark and, and Jason about the, because when uh, when you were in with therapy with Jason, mm -hmm. he was saying the same thing with Mark. It's like, oh yeah, Mark. Mark does this, you know, and, mm -hmm. and like this was after you had already left him, mm -hmm. and then he was telling him about that, and you know, I mean, there was just so much there. And it's a like crazy say, story, isn't it? It it's is crazy. It is, and I cannot wait until it's published oh, and you thanks. send me, me that copy because I know, because yeah. I want to read the rest. I will see this journey because, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, it is, it is something that anybody who has ever went through the same situation, and I don't care if you were little, I don't care if you were big, I don't care what type it was. If you have went through this, you have to get this book. Mm -hmm. You have to, have to, have to. I mean, you will connect with it so much and you will find that warrior within you, that warrior queen or that warrior king within mm -hmm. you. And, you know, now, now because we've already said all this stuff and I really, oh my gosh, you know, I, I always ask, tell, I always tell my authors this, every story has a meaning behind it. And every author prays that their readers will clearly understand the meaning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yolanda's already saying, like, I want the book. I want the book. <laughs> Believe me, there's going to be a lot of people that want this book. I mm -hmm. promise you. Thank uh, you. But, you know, so what knowledge or feelings do you want them to walk away with? And uh, about you in general as the author. Oh, about me. Um, the only thing I would really want people to know about me is that I am incomparably stubborn and I have yes. an incredible sense of humor. She does. And, 
she and does. The story is really, I mean, it's my story. Mm-hmm. And the book is, you know, about me, but it's not. It's about mm-hmm. anybody out there that needs a little bit of encouragement, that needs to understand um oh yolanda writes pain through poetry that's beautiful but yeah it need to understand that you know we've all gone through some really bad things Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it can be so overwhelming but there's always a path to healing there's always a way to recover from it so um that's really what i i want is people to understand that they do have that strength deep inside of them and it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be and an inner warrior, but that doesn't mean they have to, you know, sit in their basement with swords behind them. Um, Mm -hmm. But finding that warrior spirit, no matter how you unleash it, it could be through a lot of different activities. It could be through meditation. It could be through writing poetry. That's a beautiful way of putting that. Um, Yoga, um, anything, just keep an open mind and explore. Remember that you can heal from anything and you can find that mm-hmm. warrior spirit. And if you ever need somebody to be a cheerleader to say, you know, you go guy, you go girl, mm-hmm. you can do this. You know where to find me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. I really, this is, this is what I really wanted you to be on here because this is the year that we are resurrecting ourselves from everything around us. Mm-hmm. You know, we went through 2020. That was the, death pretty much Mm -hmm. of everybody 2021 was the the reconstruction Mm -hmm. to a point and now this is like the resurrection Mm -hmm. of our lives and for anybody who has gone through any of these traumatic events in their lives that deals with ptsd i'm telling you you have to link up with this woman you have Mm -hmm. to read her book when it comes out and we'll talk about when that comes out but right now it's time for the lightning round ladies and gentlemen and we (laughs) we are going to put her to the test Uh oh okay yeah it's only five questions so you'll be okay okay. so just to let you yeah you'll be fine so just to let you know each week we ask our guest authors five simple questions, giving our audience a glimpse of the author behind the book and the inspiration behind it as well, but also to inspire the next generation of writers watching us live on Facebook or YouTube or listening to this later on their favorite podcast platform. And I'll explain to that on everybody else too. But right now, you ready? I'm ready. All right. So question one, what person, event, or book inspired your literary journey that could also help inspire others to do the same? Oh, boy. Okay. So my youngest sister, Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. (laughs) She's um, quite a bit younger than me. I have four sisters. I've got two older sisters, two younger sisters. The age range between the youngest and the oldest is 17 years. And Alyssa told me, uh, it was in 2011, she says, you should write a book. And I says, I don't want to write a book. And she says, but you would be very good at it. She says, you write very well. How do you know I write well? And she says, well, I've read your blogs. You're very good at that. And she says, I think you should write a book. And I think you should write a book about our family. So I started writing a book about our family and, um, you know, how we grew up and stuff and, you know, heavy Eastern European background. My dad's from Czechoslovakia. Um, and my both my parents had just passed away, you know, uh-huh. just within a short time span, uh, span, 19 days. And after a while, it was like, you know what? I can't do this. This is too soon. And I put it back, you know, uh-huh. uh, in the back burner. And I says, if if I'm going to write a book, I should write a book um, that's going to help um, establish me as an expert in my field, mm-hmm. help me get more clients. You know, mm-hmm. so I wrote The Forever Fit and Flexible, Feeling Fabulous at 50 and Beyond. And the funniest thing happened. Well, it went published. And about a year later, instead of, you know, getting more clients, I closed my office. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> Man, you never know what's going to happen when you just start doing stuff. You never know. When we take these leaps of faith, I mean, there's just so much that can happen. So that leads us into question number two. Okay. What are some common traps for aspiring writers that you either have had on your journey or you've seen happen to others? 
I think for me especially, and I see this now too with other um, aspiring authors or new authors, is we focus so much on the end result, the end product, and mm -hmm. we don't spend the time really um, spending more time on the process and the journey of, hey, my God, look at me, I'm writing a book for the first time. And, you know, instead of worrying about, is this right? Is that right? Is anybody going to buy it? What's it going to look mm -hmm. like? And what's the cover? Don't just go with the flow, go with the process. And mm -hmm. I have to tell you, and maybe because the, the two books are definitely different because one is mm -hmm. self-help, but it has a lot of stories in it, personal stories, uh, different from the Ninja book, but it flowed a lot more easily. Yeah. I didn't worry about it. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go with the flow and see what happens and see where, where it takes me. And I think I'm hopefully going to use that strategy for the next couple of books. That's awesome. So keeping all that in mind, what you just <laughs> said, what is your kryptonite? What is your writing kryptonite? What is my writing kryptonite? You know, I don't really have any. It's one of those things that, you know, when I start writing, I write. And when I don't want to, I don't. And if I feel like I need to attack something or work through it, then I will do a couple of moves, just, you know, just some movement to get the blood flowing, get the lymph flowing, take the brain away from the computer and away from, you know, the project and go outside into nature and just kind of refresh that way. Man, see, this is why I love these 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 uh, questions, because it's always going to be different for everybody. And I yeah. love it. All right. So question four, if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Go for it. Don't doubt yourself and just keep on going. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Last question. See, I told you you get through these. It's pretty simple. <laughs> what quote inspires you to continue writing or just encourages you to be the best you can be? It has to be one by Moshe Feldenkrais. And I'm not really sure which one right now that it, because it doesn't really apply to writing. It mostly it applies to, to it, movement. I said, or encourages you to do the best of your best, to be the best. So Okay, so <laughs> making the impossible possible, Ooh. the possible effortless, and the effortless elegant. Oh, oh, I love that. I love that. And you know what? I could see it actually working for writing, too. Yeah. Because, you know, when you start thinking about stuff so much, just like you were saying on how you 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 how you get away from it when you want to just write, you know, mm -hmm. you just because what you just said, I mean, it makes it eff sound like it's effortless mm -hmm. when you when you take your brain out of it and you just mm -hmm. write what you're feeling or what you have in your heart. It's still going to it's going to flow. It's going to flow right. like a river. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about rivers is that they can break through anything. You have enough pressure behind it. Enough power behind it, it'll break through anything. Not only through. that, there's a lot of tributaries too that it's going to take you. Yeah. So there's a lot of different oh, yeah. paths that you don't oh, plan yeah. on. Oh yeah. So oh my gosh, I, I again, I am having the best time. I thank you so much for being my guest, Miss Cheryl. I love. It well, took me thank, a long time to figure out that. The oh, last really? I'm sure. It did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of people think that it's not my, it's really not my name that I made it up. But no, that's my maiden name. I didn't change my name when I got married because, you know, the the link to Czechoslovakia. But mm. thank you, Mac, for having me on the show. I have just loved it. You are an amazing host, very <laughs> gracious and a lot of fun to be around. Oh, man. Well, you know, we want to thank you even more not only just for being here, but sharing your story, I, even as hard as it was. Oh, Yolanda, I love it. I love it. She she is one that's really pushing me around. Oh, Inspired to work on a poetry book. Be asking forever about it. I mean, see, there you go. I mean, you, my work you just here is done. Myself. Exactly. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, you know what? I don't care if I have a hundred thousand people on here. As long as one person sees a, a new author 
and is inspired from them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, she just said, thank you for being the inspiration. Oh, I'm going to cry oh, and I don't oh. do emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Yolanda, you need to get with, yeah. uh, get with her. Because, I mean, there's just so much information there that could help you to just just talk. I mean, mm -hmm. if she's willing to do it, I'm sure she would be happy to reach out to her online and everything. And this is leading up to this. Cheryl. Yes. The floor is yours. Please tell everyone where they can find you online and any special events that you are participating in. And... Anything else you want to close the show with, especially a date for the book when it's coming out? Well, I don't know yet. But anyhow, <laughs> you can you can always just email me info at com. And yes, Yolanda, I'd love to talk to you too. Just remember, I love is I-L-O-V. There is no E at the end. You can go to my website, um, CherylILove.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, um, you'll actually get three um, downloads or three audio recordings of movement lessons that you could do. If you're interested in that, I call it meditation through movement. Uh, you can check me out on LinkedIn. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. I do have a Facebook page, um, a business page, Cheryl, I love international. I also have a podcast called the Femininja project and it is not for women only. It's for men. I'm going to get Mac on the show. Yay! It, <laughs> it is about, speed. I love it. I love doing that. <laughs> so it is a show about um, overcoming obstacles, personal empowerment, restoring mm. human dignity, finding your voice, standing your ground, alternative health and healing, living well and looking good, because I will tell you something, living well and looking good is the best revenge. And with that, I'm going to close this with you. Oh my gosh, Cheryl, please stay on so I can talk to you a little bit more after Absolutely. this. Absolutely. I, oh, there's so many things, so many things. So everybody, thank you again for being on here. For those who are going to listen later, thank you so much for your support. For those authors that reached out to me before, I promise you we're getting through the questionnaires. There was a lot of you, and I really cannot wait to actually talk to all of you. Uh, if you would like to be a guest on the show, um, there are plenty of places that you can go to. I know the, the logo uh, covers up my website a little bit, but I'll let you know. It is macgriffinvo.com. To get to the questionnaire, just go to macgriffinvo.com forward slash in hyphen the hyphen media. And you will see a banner that says beyond the pen and a booking uh button to hit and it will take you directly to that questionnaire it is a google form me i will only see it myself well i see it myself as well as my and i'm gonna love selling this i have a new co-host ladies and gentlemen it'll be great her name is marcella gonzalez she is a wonderful woman and she will be on the co-host for the audio program um we're going to try to get her on the live streams as well but it's going to be excited. If you have, if you missed this, I promise you, you will be able to hear it um, on your favorite podcast uh, platform. We, I officially, I'm going to say it right now. It's official. We are literally on every platform possible except for Pandora and I uh, tune in plus Alexa right now. Those are in review, but you can literally find us on everywhere. Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Castro. I mean, literally if it's, if it's a podcast player, you could probably find it there. So please put in beyond the pen live with Maccabee Griffin and you should be able to find us. So, with that being said, I will also let you know that the audio will be up will be uploaded for this show and every Saturday uh, live stream will be uploaded by Tuesday morning uh, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and the pre-recorded ones will be uploaded on Thursdays at the same time. So please go over there, subscribe, uh 
share it with everybody, like them, give us feedback because we're always open for feedback, especially me. And if, again, if you're wanting to be on the show, by all means, reach out to me. So with that being said, join us next week as we talk to another inspiring author as we share their book and their inspiring story behind the story. So until next time, folks, remember to keep writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you go beyond the pen. Bye, everybody. Love you all.